coming to you from the lab, where we talk about guns, gear, training, and everything in between. Riding Shotgun is my co-host, Big Keith. I'm your host, Mike, and this is The Gun Experiment. How's it going, everybody, and welcome to The Gun Experiment. This week, Keith and I speak to a hilarious YouTube personality, discuss gun confiscations, and play Master of Disguise. I just want to remind everyone that we drop new episodes on the second and fourth Tuesday of every month, so be sure to subscribe and share the show with friends. As always, we'll have a link in the show notes. If you like the content we're creating, we'd appreciate it if you head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review as well as a comment. And I cannot stress that enough. Me and Keith's fragile, fragile egos need those comments desperately, so please leave them for us. Anyway, as always... By my side, the big man, Big Keith, is in the house. Keith, how are we doing tonight? Doing well, Mike. Thanks for the uh, big introduction, as always. I, I gotta, I gotta drop that that big intro for you again. <laughs> Fragile egos, if I can spit That's that right. out. That's right. So uh, I gotta what tell you, you something. Do one day if I'm not so big. I don't know. I'll call you medium sized Keith. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um. So with a. a couple episodes back or a few episodes back, whatever, we did our Thanksgiving special and we were talking to Pete and moonshine came up. So today I was getting ready to, you know, prep myself and get myself ready. And I'm like, I really want moonshine. I don't want whiskey tonight. I want moonshine. So I literally ran to the liquor store and I got watermelon moonshine. That sounds like you. It's still okay. girly. It's, it's a little it's girly. It's still a girly moonshine. It is. I can't break that. I can't you, help you it. You walk into a liquor store, you go in for the most manly drink you can find, moonshine, and you end up with the girly version of it. I. That's exactly what happened. <laughs> the, the woman at the counter actually laughed at me. <laughs> so, man. Anyway, how's it going? How are you doing tonight? Doing well. Doing well. Doing well. I'm having a little, uh, you know, uh, there's a, a winery near us, Walk- uh, Warwick Winery. Yeah. They have a pear cider that I, I love. And uh, so I'm, I'm drinking one of those tonight. That's a little girly as well, by the way. <laughs> I got to keep up with you sometime. You know, <laughs> that, you can't be the only manly drinker in the in the room all the time. That's fair. That's fair. So anyway, uh, our guest tonight is the comedic video creator behind a popular YouTube channel. He creates popular viral videos based on his experience as a police officer with the goal of creating content that is humorous, engaging, and educational. Please welcome the one, the only, Mike the Cop. Mike, how you doing tonight? Good, guys. How are you? Doing I am great. amazed that you are on this podcast with us, Mike. Why is that? I just, I, I watch you on YouTube, and now I'm talking to you on my podcast. It's crazy. <laughs> I just, I'm just some normal idiot, man, so it's, it's all good. <laughs> well, then you'll fit right in around here. Yeah, right. <laughs> so how you doing tonight, Mike? I'm good. I'm good. Had a had a productive day, and now I've got uh, two fingers of bullet rye in my glass here, tinkling around. So, uh, yeah, you, I'm ready to roll. You officially have the manliest drink in the room, exactly right? Exactly, making us. Yeah, happy. you gotta. If you're gonna get moonshine, uh, you're gonna have to get real moonshine. That stuff <laughs> you buy in the store is not moonshine. We have made moonshine. Does that count? Does that up that my man true. card a little bit? Well, I mean. It's better than never having made it. I never made it either, but you you need to, yeah, you should be drinking what you make and it not offs- drinking watermelon it offs- moonshine. It I mean, offsets you might as well buying- have a white claw. Yeah. <laughs> it, it offsets him buying the watermelon moonshine is the fact that he's made it. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if that, I don't know if I'd go that far, but. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's get off of my girly drinks and let's get into this thing. So that's what she uh, said. <laughs> So you became a police officer in Detroit, correct? Back in 2009? 
Uh, I've been a cop since 2009, yeah, but not, I, I never worked for the city of Detroit proper. Gotcha. Okay. So was that something you always wanted to do? Like, tell us how you got into that career. Well, I, I would say I had always wanted to do it like a kid always wants to do something, you know, a bunch of things. And, uh, I did have family exposure to first responder world. My dad, when I was a little kid, was a dispatcher for a fire department in, uh, like Champaign-Urbana, Illinois. So a, a pretty, a bigger college town kind of a place. And so I, I definitely had exposure to that world as a kid. And then, um, had some other relatives that had been in law enforcement in different capacities. And so it was always something that was in the back of my head. And then my brother became a cop and I, I got the advantage of watching my younger brother enjoy what he was doing. I had been a, basically a business owner and the economy took a dump uh, in, in the crash, like 2008 or whatever. Yeah. And I thought, man, now's, now's as good of a time as any to do something that I kind of always had in the back of my mind that I would like to do. And I knew like, it seemed like it would fit my personality. And I was like, yeah, let's, let's try that. So I stupidly uh, spent all of my savings, putting myself to the police academy <laughs> and, uh, and then, yeah, did, did the cop thing. Well, interestingly that you said that the economy was what put you sort of pushed you into the career. I kind of was thinking that people must have thought you were nuts getting into that career in 2009. I mean, in Michigan alone, it was that was some of the worst conditions of the Great Recession. And, you know, did you yeah, think about was, that at all? I don't know. It was it was tough getting a job. You know, it was um, I was really fortunate to be I was I was already on track with with an employer before I was ever even out of the academy. So like I I was one of the, I guess, fortunate ones um, to just you know, be at the, the right time at the right place with the right qualifications for what that department was looking for. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I, I got started in the Academy and just never stopped until July. <laughs> so, so, uh, you started blogging and posting videos in 2014. Mm -hmm. Um, so you had been on the job for a while and then you, you start this sort of venture and uh, let me start by saying I was in law enforcement for a very short amount of time. Uh, I was a corrections officer and I was actually in a police academy and then sort of changed careers. Long story. But uh, I know being in corrections, man, working in that career field, you can really uh, take some verbal beatings and a lot of, a lot of ribbing and joking. <laughs> so did you catch a lot of flack from your fellow officers? When I started doing that stuff? Um, Blogging and posting videos and some of the funny stuff you do. You know... I don't know. Not, uh, not really. I mean, uh, yeah, but I, I'm, I'm definitely, you know, can give it <laughs> and I can take it. So that's, fair. you know, it, it, you know, it was, uh, sure it got brought up, but I actually, I had great participation from the people like on my shift. They, everybody sort of got a kick out of doing stuff online, like sharing ideas and coming up with whatever. None of them wanted to be the person doing the, the videos, but it was like a lot of it, a lot of it early on felt kind of like a team effort, you know, behind the scenes. There's, you know, like, oh, this would this would be a funny video. Like, oh yeah, you're right, that would be funny. I'll I'll take that idea or whatever. So, um, I think I think I came onto the scene at the right time, um, and there was just it was cops were were happy to see someone drawing some positive attention, I guess, rather than just the slamming negativity that was coming in the media at the time. Yeah, I mean it's it takes a lot of guts to really like be on video. Like even like this podcast, 
like Keith and I kind of pulled the trigger and decided to do it. But like it's your voice, you know, and like we've debated doing like a video podcast. And there's something about that that I mean, first of all, there's a lot of uh, infrastructure that has to happen with that. And that's a part of it. But even yeah. if that infrastructure was there, there's just something about being on video that is way more vulnerable than like even your even audio, you know. So right. did, did you just have the personality to just do it or did you kind of have to like rustle up the sort of uh, the courage to do it or how did that, you know, I, I have a pretty outgoing personality. So it never, it was never really a thought for me, you know, as far as like being worried about being on video, I just, uh, it just fit, it fit me. So I, I, it wasn't really much of a, of a challenge to overcome at all. I, I never intended to do videos. It was really a more of a, of an issue of we had started our nonprofit humanizing the badge and just as Facebook was changing and we were like, man, how do we draw more attention to what we're doing? And looking out at the landscape, it was kind of like, well, video, video is something that seems to be working. And I saw a guy named Officer Daniels doing vines and um, thought, well, I could try that <laughs> and see if that gets some attention for our nonprofit. And yeah, I just started making videos. Was it at all, at all frowned upon by your department or by, by higher ups? Does anybody kind of give you some, some problems with, from, from that? end of things? No, not certainly not early on. Later, later on, there would be some administrative changes and some changes at uh, the, the municipal level where I was working that they weren't too keen on me, but they also knew <laughs> the, the chickens had flown the coop. There was no putting them yeah. back in, you know, like yeah, right. you're not, you're not going to stop me now basically. And if you were, I was going to document it and they didn't want that either. So, uh, but you know, they, I was really stuck. Yeah, I was blessed with a great administration uh, when I started doing this. And I think what helped is that from 2014 to 2000, because I didn't make the first Mike the Cop video of any kind until very late 2015. It was all blogging and all humanizing the badge, just, you know, posting and content and fundraisers and events and that kind of thing. So my administration had already seen me for close to two years doing stuff it was already like they were used to me doing that kind of thing. You know what I'm saying? That makes sense. That so makes yeah. sense. when I, when I came to them and said, Hey, I want to start adding video into the mix. They said, yeah, just follow the policy, which was super, uh, I don't know, liberal in the sense of like, just be, <laughs> you, you can't, you can't put the department information in the video and you have to be, uh, can't uh, bring negative attention to the career, you know, or department. So I'm like, that's easy to do with what I'm doing. So they gave me a, a lot of rope and I just fortunately never hung myself. <laughs> well, Good that, thing, right? I mean, did, did that change a little bit when you started to vlog about bad officers? You know, I mean, some of the instances that, you know, this is just my opinion, Mike. Some mm -hmm. of the instances do seem to be when these bad police officers are are being videoed or whatever. It comes from an overconfident power position and, and maybe because of the badge. I don't know, but... You know, uh, you you call them uh, uh, character weaknesses. I think in some of your videos, but like, is it hard to video about that? That's certainly bringing negativity to it, right? Uh, I mean, I think it's highlighting the good of the profession by being able to call out or criticize where it needs it. So, I, I mean, I, I I don't think they they viewed it as that, and I certainly didn't view it as that because no one hates a bad cop more than regular good old good cops, <laughs> you know. Yeah. So. Yeah. So, I mean, I, it, it always just kind of worked out, you know, for, for me. Yeah. And I would add to that. I mean, <clears throat> what you're doing 
when you uh, say humanizing the badge uh, and that position is, you know, you're showing that you're just a regular person. You have a sense of humor, you know, and like some of the stuff right. you do is it's clearly tongue in cheek. It's clearly way over the top. And, you know, if you're someone who's there's one video I'm thinking of in particular, and I think Keith's going to bring it up in a minute or two. But <laughs> <laughs> when, you know, there's one joke and I'm like, this is so ludicrous and over the top. And I know there's someone out there that's getting all like butthurt over and upset. And I'm like, <laughs> if you can't realize how over the top this is. That's your problem. Like that's on you. That's not the average person. Right. So right. I think you're. You're you talking definitely about the, humanizing uh, it. Are you talking about the any firearms in the vehicle today? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. <laughs> That's a great one. Mike, <laughs> I love that how, how many of those firearms were yours? <laughs> None of them. They were all man spots because I was out in uh, Salt Lake City and I was there to do some stuff with uh, another side business project. And I happened to, you know, be connected uh, with a couple of guys at Black Rifle Coffee and I was there and then i i reached out to man spot who lives in the area and was like dude we should do a video together while i'm here i've had this video idea for a while and you're the perfect person to do it i mean i had uh, that video idea for like a year of man i need somebody with just a uh, crap ton of guns <laughs> that could pull this off and i'm like dude this is perfect so he was like yeah absolutely let's do it so yeah and that vi that video has got to be one of the most viewed videos I've ever had on any Six, on all my platforms. Six point eight million views, I think it wow. was the other day. I, I, yeah, on, I on watched Facebook, it. It's like coming close to thirty million or more, or something like wow. that. It's insane. Yeah. Are did you grow up in a pro gun household? Uh, yeah. I mean, nothing, nothing crazy over the top. You know, it wasn't like yeah, not my had a ton of guns in the house or anything like that. But my my dad definitely had guns, and we were. We weren't anti-gun. We weren't like out at Second Amendment rallies or anything, you know, but it was, yeah, a, a very, uh, I would say a normal gun household, like, you know, like any American should be. So, right. uh, yeah. Now, would you call yourself a gun guy now? Like, do you have like a, a decent amount of guns and a different, decent collection or? I got a decent amount of guns, but I, I'm, I'm not a gun, a gun nerd, right? Like where. I'm not, I, I don't like go to bed dreaming about the next gun that I'm going to get. You know, I've got a, uh, I've got a few rifles and I've got a, uh, a couple of shotguns and I've got a couple of pistols and I feel like I've got at least one for everybody in the household and we're good <laughs> to go, you know, like that's uh, fair. no, no stockpile, no safe, I, you know, uh, not yet. I mean, it'd be, it's one of those things where I'm like, you know, it'd be cool to like build my collection up, uh, but it's just hasn't been a super big priority. <laughs> well, you know, what's funny is, uh, people like we'll have people on the show and we'll say like, uh, you know, talk about guns and they mention guns and I'm like, I don't even know what that gun is. Like I'm, yeah, I'm like yeah. thinking to myself, I don't even know what that is. And like the reality of it is I kind of like ARs. I kind of like, like polymer handguns. Like I, I like the Ruger 1022. Like there's just a, I have a few simple things I like and I could have multiples of those, but I don't really have a desire to have like crazy, crazy, crazy stuff like some people well, do. You know, well, we talk about that sometimes on the show too. Is like we're not none of a. I don't. I mean, I, I know I certainly am not like you could say gunner and Mike, but I, I don't. I don't know like everything there is to know about ammunition and and what is you know the ballistics of it or any of that stuff. You know, it's just more of like I like Mike saying. I know what I like. I, I love to shoot trap. I love to shoot twenty twos. And, uh, I, I'm, I'm passionate about my right to be able to bear arms and I want to be able to keep that. So other than, yeah, that, I, I'd be a big, I'd be a big proponent of that. Even if I wasn't personally into any guns or didn't have any, I'd still want people's, you know, rights to, 
to have them and and utilize the captives yeah. as a sacred thing. I think what you're saying, Keith, it kind of goes back to again, sort of the premise of our show is it's the gun experiment, and the, you know, the, the, it was the perfect name for us because a lot of it is things we don't know, and there's people who know more, and it's just we're experimenting with these ideas and learning things, and and also sharing that knowledge with other people. So I think it's it's kind of good that we don't know all that stuff. You know, it, it's yeah. not really what our show is about, but I do want to go back to that video, any firearms in the vehicles today for one second, because I've seen it before, but it's been a long time. And when Keith brought it up to me today, I was like, I probably should go back and watch it. And there was one line that I couldn't help. I have to bring it up, but you say something like, is that a leather sling? And he, he says, <laughs> he says, of course it is. I'm not some liberal snowflake. I don't know exactly what it is, but it made me laugh so hard. My my wife was like, "What are you laughing at?" I'm like, "I can't explain it to you. <laughs> it's not. It's just not synthetic. That's all." Yeah, it was really it was really funny. I'm like laughing just thinking about it. So yeah, man, that was it was. I, I'm telling you, man, that video was so fun to make, and it was like I don't know how I don't even remember how long it was, but I mean, we were out there for a couple hours and just doing take after take yeah. after take, just doing different. It was all it was all improv. We didn't plan any of it. We just well, kept, oh, that's kept great. adding to you, the story, you know? When he takes that suppressor out of his pants <laughs> and then puts his <laughs> finger on your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so if, oh, anybody, if anybody's listening that hasn't seen this video, just do yourself a favor and go watch it. It's really, I'm like tearing up I, thinking about it. Uh, yeah, you guys got me cry, crying, laughing. I mean, that's when I know, like, I, I I just love some, you know, some of the videos that I've done. Not because it's me, just because it makes it makes me laugh. Like, yeah. and I'm like, that is that's good content right there. When it makes me laugh, like, uh, I I love it. And I just I wish I could. I wish every video fired on all cylinders like that one, but they don't. Yeah, <laughs> but when you hit when you hit gold though, Mike, when you hit gold, it's like <laughs> it's great. So, do you have a favorite video? Is there one that really is like your favorite? Man, that. That's up there, but there's another one. Um, if I think we called it, if cops uh, were firefighters or uh, cops live out their dream or something like that, and it's me and Officer Daniels, and we we wake up to a fire alarm in the same bed, and then we're <laughs> like, just it's it's like this Step Brothers movie, a Hall and Oates song, dude. It's it's amazing, and it was like that was one of the first super viral videos uh he and i had together and it was just it, it's, it's a great memory of making the video and doing it so that, that's another favorite that's that's great um so it was at what point like you're making these videos and what do you say 2014 then you start to do the mike the cop sort of bit and at what point did you feel like your youtube personality like took off like was there a moment was there a video was there something that made you go like oh man this is for real like this is this is going to be big no, it seemed to be like a cumulative thing for me, you know, like it never was really like just overnight. Everything was just a slow, steady build. And there was moments where like page interaction or views would jump. And then, you know, it was just kind of like the steady as she goes. And YouTube's like the my worst platform because it's the most unpredictable. But uh, really, yeah, you know, it's like uh, it, it, the, the views are really all over the map <laughs> with that, but I'm a little bit different of a YouTuber too, in terms of like, everybody kind of falls into like their niche of, of doing things. You get like a donut operator. He's like the master of police breakdowns, right. um, and taking like news things or recent happenings in police and, and doing a, a, a hilarious breakdown of it. Uh, I, w- my breakdowns tend to be more all sarcasm or, or more serious breakdowns of things, you know, 
Um, so I still feel like all these years later, I don't even know what the heck I'm doing. Like I just, I just make a video when it comes to me, you know, like, Oh, that'd be a cool idea. And then I just do it. I, I, I've really never felt like I was one thing. Even some of your recent stuff is funny. Like the, the police during COVID, uh, yeah. I just, I just, I mean, I, I'm not a police officer, but I felt some of those same things in my own career during that time. It was like, well, you're just going to have to figure this out on your own. Like, I can't really help you. <laughs> nice. I thought uh, I watched because, you know, again, we were like watching stuff to like just kind of get in the in the zone. And uh, the one where you you uh, interviewed uh, Joe Biden was another oh, really okay. great. Did you see that? <laughs> yeah, that was good. Just so funny. Like I, I'm, I, my, I'm watching. I'm going. How long? How much Joe Biden footage do you have to watch to do this? I'm thinking. Actually, probably not that much because he says tons of crazy shit. So it's, it's like super easy to find yeah. Joe Biden mumbling. You know, it's yeah. it's just as easy as finding Trump say something as big, huge, or beautiful. You know, it's it's yeah, not hard. Right. <laughs> exactly. So now, once you became this, uh, you know, this personality, and you're on YouTube, and you're like a YouTube celebrity, right? Like people know who Mike the Cop is. Um, so do you have any funny stories where people maybe recognize you on the job or, you know, any like in the real world kind of moments? Yeah, there's definitely been both of those. I mean, it's it's pretty common uh, now, like out, you know, in public that it's it's not weird anymore. Like that someone says, hey, are you know, are you uh, Mike the cop or, you know, I think I've seen you before, uh, that kind of a thing. So when they say that, do you just go, no, no, I just look like him. I've, I've done stuff like that's weird. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I don't know where, where you, why, why I would look familiar to you. Um, but that happens, but it has happened like early on, like when, when vine was really taken off for me, then I remember I pulled over uh, a car of kids and I actually wrote, wrote the driver a, <laughs> a ticket. And then the kid in the back is like, are you that cop from Vine? You know, they were all they had, they had my videos pulled up on their phones while I was writing them a ticket, you know? <laughs> <laughs> whatever. So it's happened on the job, you know, but uh, but not not as much as I guess maybe people might think it does. But yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's happened. I mean, it's got to be kind of cool, right? Like if you're being honest, it's got to be a little cool. It's more funny to me than you know. I don't feel like it's cool. I'm just like it's just it's weird you know surreal probably probably surreal what your, right what, what, what's your family say like are they used to it now yeah everybody's pretty used to it like yeah you know it's kind of like a little running joke like oh we went out to dinner and only had one person talk to your dad you know actually speaking of your family i read somewhere is it true that you have your kids edit your videos uh my oldest son um well, what, what, how old we have been? He's 21 now. So going back to 2015, well, that put him five years. Yeah. So when he was fi- about 15, um, he started working for me for, uh, you know, doing stuff with humanizing the badge. And then when I started doing the Mike, the cop stuff, yeah. I mean, uh, I, guys, I was not like a Facebook guy. I was not a social media person at all. Like I just, I knew nothing about that stuff. And so my kids really, <laughs> help me along the way, whether they're in my videos or my son had always wanted to be a YouTuber. Right. So wow. you beat him uh, to it. <laughs> Dad yeah, beat him to it. it. Well, now he edits, he does video editing for some, um, for some other cop, uh, content creators. Um, he does video editing for some major runescape gamers, you know, he does their edits, does their edits. He's got a little office that he rents out and I mean, he, he's running his own business now. So he's, wow. he's doing all this stuff, but yeah, I've learned along the way. So some of the stuff like 
I can edit, you know, like the Joe Biden video. That was, that was me. I edited that. Um, but all of the really good stuff. Yeah. He's definitely been the, the primary person to film and edit that stuff. That's amazing. And, uh, my kids are little. I have a four-year-old and a two-year-old. Actually, I have a, I have a 21-year-old, but that's a that's another story. And then I have uh, a four and a two-year-old. And I'm like, you two need to grow up. You two need to grow up fast because that needs help. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, I want to uh, I want to bring it to a little bit more of a serious question, Mike. Um, so you know, I with with this momentum building about you know. Uh, this systemic racism problem in our, in our country with, with uh-huh. police officers. I am a very rational person and yeah. I struggle with the data being so clear that overwhelmingly the majority of on duty police interactions are positive. Yep. How does this, how do you think this momentum builds and why are people like ignoring the facts. Like I, I just don't, I, I don't get it. I can't figure it out. And I'm hoping that maybe from a police officer perspective, you can help me out a little bit here. You know, it's so weird because in the real world, it just doesn't, you know, the day-to-day life of a cop, it really, it it's really isn't right? like that. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like, people aren't calling you a racist all day long and you're not beating up people all day long. And that's just not, it's just not the reality. And uh, you know, at the end of the day, media and now social media thrives on controversy, right? Like that's, that's how ad blocks are sold. That's how, you know, yeah. Traffic is driven. And so it's in the best interest of, the media business to keep a divide. And so writing that and, and keeping those your narratives running are, are keeping people in business. And that's, and that's, you I mean, think this is nothing. Con- you think they're consciously aware of that or do you think they just definitely just on the bottom line? Oh, definitely. I think, I think at some level they're a, a, a thousand percent completely aware of it. Yes. And I think, but I do think that there are people who derive their sense of awareness of social issues only from social media right. and at the expense of reality. And that's the danger. And that's what oh. that's what drove me into this was when I saw the Michael Brown situation unfold, yep. I was uh, and I saw the media handling that. Uh, and I, then I saw uh, members of Congress and football teams or whatever, raising their hands and doing uh, what was a blatant lie and, and misuse of factual information to bend to a bend to a lie. That's the moment I was like, I got to do something. I feel like pro law enforcement voices better be on social media because this is the playground of ideas now. And uh, people, you know, uh, you know, whatever people talk about Fox and CNN, nobody under the age of 30 gives a crap about them. They're listening to Twitter. They're listening to fa- Facebook and Instagram yeah. and whatever hits them. If, you know, if uh, DL Hughley posts something about a police situation, a million and a half people take him at his word because he's DL Hughley and he posts on Instagram and he's got follow. You know what I'm saying? Like that's, that's what happens. I'm going to take it one step farther. In my opinion, people are consuming 
you know, small snippets of what's going on and forming an opinion from it. Mm-hmm. They're not looking at the five minutes leading up and the five minutes leading after. And what, like, what, you know, what puts these these situations really in play? They only see the one piece of it that they want to. And I can't tell you how many times I'm in, you know, in my regular life where somebody spits out a, a fact quotes and I go, where did you see that? And they say, oh, I saw it on, on Facebook. And I was like, well, did you read the article or did you just, <laughs> you know, see the headline? Right. Yeah, it, Keith, it, I, I kind of want to, I want to like do a little bit of a deep dive into this because there's a couple things you said that, <clears throat> so first of all, you said, is the media conscious of this? Yeah. Absolutely. And when I say absolutely, I'm not trying to villainize. Like, it's not like the individual person. But what you have to realize, and I, and I firmly believe this, when Ted Turner started CNN and he started what's basically, f- from what I can recall, the first like 24-hour news cycle, really. It, it was. Right? That 24-hour news cycle, you can only come up with so much material in 24 hours. So they had mm-hmm. to come up with... Uh, and I'm going to pick from both sides here. The Sean Hannity's arrived, and the you know the mm-hmm. the the Talking Heads came up, and you know Sean Hannity will say, "Don't don't listen to me. I'm not a media guy. I'm I'm just a personality." He can say that all he wants. There are people who think of him. He's on Fox News. He must be media. Mm-hmm. So they are no longer a news source the way that like Walter Cronkite ra- Cronkite was back in the day. That's not literally what- just telling you what happened. Yes, yeah. exactly. Those were what the facts. What they were told happened. happened, not the yeah. fact. What they were told happened. Right. Now, it is a corporate structure and it is designed, I don't care what anybody says, a lot of it, most of it is designed for entertainment. And it, the way they make money mm-hmm. is by selling ads. And they sell ads by basically keeping people tuned in on that 24-hour news cycle. So they but have this is where It is conscious. This is where my this is where my rational side turns naive. Well, that's I where just, I was going to, that's where, good. I'm sorry. That's, I, that was my next point. You said that you're a rational person. That's not the, I'm going to say the norm, I guess, but a lot of people are not rational. They're emotional. People by nature are emotional. So they react in a very visceral way, you know, when things are, are not kind to their ears. It's not what they want to hear. And all they need is a little spark and that fire gets inflamed. And mm-hmm. I, I really believe that, you know, and and I and I'm, I'm the reason I want to dive deep into this is because it's a really serious thing. And I know we were having some fun before, and you brought a serious question, but it's a good question. And you know, Mike, like you know, you you were on the streets and and you served your community, and you said that's not the norm. So yeah. why is it that when it happens, it becomes this nationwide thing? And I think it goes back to that 24 hour news cycle. They they got something. They they got the big fish on the hook, and they are going to keep it on the line as long as possible. We've been conditioned, I think, to to believe two great lies. Lie number one being, if I've seen a video on, of something online, then that is a representation of what is normative. So I've seen a video of that, or I've seen, this is really common on YouTube, I've seen so many videos of cops XYZ, Okay, yeah, you've seen, let's say that they've even seen a thousand videos uh, in their lifetime. In the last five years, they've seen a thousand videos of cops doing stupid things. Even if that was actually the case, you know, even if objectively the cops were in the wrong a thousand times, you're talking about a thousand out of millions. 
trillions of contacts. So the lie is that if I've seen it on a video, that's what's normative. And the other great lie is if I haven't seen something, it can't be happening. It can't be true if I haven't seen it. So if they haven't seen a cop getting disciplined at work, then they must not be getting disciplined. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like this, these are two great lies that go together that social media think, lends themselves to. Do you think the seed for these lies starts at an early age? Like I think back to like when I first got my driver's license, like, I didn't want to be pulled over by the police, right? Ever. You don't want to be harassed by, and I shouldn't say the word harassed. I was probably poor. Sure, sure. <laughs> I, 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 you don't want to have an interaction with a police officer, right? So right. Do you think that's where the seed starts. It's like, yeah, you don't want to get arrested. You don't want to be in the back of a police car. You know what I mean? And then all of a sudden it, it grows into this, ah, police beat people up and all this other stuff. Like, why? I just, again, I find it so crazy that I have a lot of friends that have had bad experiences with police officers, all self-admittedly their own fault, all self-admittedly because they didn't follow directions or they didn't do what they should have been doing. Mm -hmm. And I just don't understand how people don't recognize that. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, where it I, starts, I, I'm beat, maybe I'm beating the, a dead horse here, but you know, yeah, it might just be cyclical, you know, where it starts at, at some point. Um, and, and just ends somewhere that, that no one ever, predicted yeah. how, how, it, how it would end up. We just don't, there's, there's a lot of things in our society in which I was just um, going to say quite honestly, down, I think education in the, <laughs> our public education is broken. There's so many broken things yep, at a source level that it's just, it's hard to understand why any one individual I, has a problem. I think, I think that's, I think you hit the nail right on the head on that, Mike. I think it's there. There are so many different things that are broken. There are so many different ideas that are just not thought through all the way that it this is just uh, unfortunately another one of them and you know uh I'm, I'm 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 glad you're trying to to change that direction i'm glad you're trying to do something about that but it is it is one of many you're right you know keith you brought uh sorry no mike you brought up the michael brown uh situation mm -hmm. and that made me think of something <clears throat> when the whole trayvon martin case happened you know the media they tried to portray that as a racial thing Right. <laughs> right. And it makes it, it, it's not it's not, you know, obviously it was a terrible situation and it should have never really happened. In my opinion, it could have been easily avoided. But George Zimmerman was Hispanic, you know, like his mother was, <laughs> yeah, his, his <laughs> right, mother, right. his mother was a, was Peruvian. Right. And I, I look at that and I go, they turn that into a racial thing. But like, you know, right. The same thing happened uh, with. It, it, it's it's not been corrected either because with the George Floyd incident that became a, 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 an issue of race. Um, Derek Chauvin, the the officer in question with the knee on the neck, the most notable officer of them, is right. married to an Asian woman, and there was a black uh, Chinese or Asian. I'm not, I'm not sure if he was specifically Chinese, but Asian and Hispanic officer with him. So you had four cops there: white, right. black, Hispanic, and Asian. <laughs> one right, of whom yeah. the white guy was married to another race uh, and they turned it all into white versus black. Um, they, they simplified it to a point that it, it didn't even make sense anymore. That's a good way to put it. They just, they, they oversimplify it to whatever right. they think is going to keep that news cycle, just moving, chugging along like the money train that well, it people is. People need know? an explanation for the evil in the world. People need an explanation for when things right. go wrong. There always has to be a scapegoat and it makes it easy. Yeah, racism is just one of those easy things to say, point and go racism. That's why, 
you know, and systemic racism is the, it's the, it's the scapegoat of our generation right now. Every pro every problem to avoid personal responsibility is then put on the back of systemic racism as an easy out and a way to blame and a way to then champion yourself as a potential hero to solve the problem, i.e. politicians. It, yeah. it is so crazy. I mean, you can't, you can't go anywhere in, 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 in my life. I, I feel like that, that doesn't come up, Mike, to your point, this, 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 this scapegoat of racism, like it has gotten to a point where I think it's causing racism. It's, oh, hundred percent. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's like, I, I, I'm not a racist person. I wasn't brought up racist. I, I didn't even know about the word racism. Like it wasn't even a well, thing. That's, you only, you only think that way because of your privilege. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. I guess that's what, and that is what they say, right? Keith, you want to laugh? Keith, you want to no, laugh? I, hold on, I got to tell this one story, Mike. I was in a, a training uh, for for work, and I, I I won't be too specific because I, I I try to keep that separate. But literally, this woman was in front of us, telling us, "You all have unconscious bias. You right. all are racist, and you don't even know it." I was like, yeah. I couldn't believe it. I had, I, I I want I had to get up and walk out. I could not. I, I looked at my boss and I was like, no way, I'm not in here. Which ultimately is another way to say, if you don't think exactly like me, the only other option that exists in the universe is you are racist. <laughs> right, right, right. But that only works one way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Only one way. Keith, when we had the show with Carolina Customs and we were talking about custom uh, rifle cases, I made the joke that I show up to the trap range like all ghettoed out and I just like no case. Like I just walk in with my gun and my, my ammo yeah. like falling out of my arms. Right. Yeah. So I was telling that, that, that story to someone and they were like, you can't say that. And I'm like, I can't say what? And like, you can't say ghetto. I'm like, why not? I'm like, <laughs> have you, you ever mean? been to West Virginia? They're the whitest ghettos I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. So she, <laughs> so this, this person goes, you can't say that. That's, that's racist. I said, you're assuming that because I say ghetto, I'm assuming you're assuming I'm saying black. Is that what you're inferring? I go, that's exactly what you should. I go, you're the racist. I go, I didn't wasn't thinking that at all. Not one bit. I go, you're the one who's being racist by implying that. That's crazy. Oh my god, it's just crazy. <laughs> so listen, we took a turn thanks to Keith down Negative Street. So Sorry. I'm going to bring <laughs> I'm going to bring it back to Positiveville. So. Uh, Mike, you'd mentioned it on the show a couple of times, but you're the co-founder of a not-for-profit organization called Humanizing the Badge. Yeah. Uh, I did look into it a little bit. Um, I don't know a lot about it, though, and I would like to know more. So could you tell us and the listeners about that? Yeah, we've had um, multiple iterations uh, of focus, I guess, as it were. I, hopefully, we've never lost the whole... I mean, we we kind of tell people the mission and what we're about is, is the name, right? This is the goal. Every, everything that we do, every, every post that we make, every piece of content that we put out, every, everything that we share, everything that we do, we really want it to simply um, show people that uh, cops are humans too. We're, we're, we share, we share the same community space as everyone else. That's it. We just have a different job. That's it. Um, and so our focus has changed over, over the years. And so we just uh, had some, changes we're making on the board and what we're going what we're going to do is the funds that we raise through our fundraising efforts whether it's through oh hey get these uh we need you cards to pass out to officers in your area and show them support or uh birthday fundraisers on facebook whatever it is that we're doing and we've done some crazy shenanigans live on facebook to raise money and uh stupid stuff but 
we're taking those funds and beginning in 2021, we're going to start giving out grants to officers who are doing exceptional jobs in their community at humanizing the badge already. And so like, uh, if there's someone that is giving out skateboards or they're in a community that has a lot of kids, you know, skating and this officer is wanting to give out boards or something like that. Well, we can help with our funds, provide a scholarship to them or a grant to them that allows them to get, you know, X number of boards and give them out, you know, that kind of a thing. But it's not our idea, it's their idea. So we want to help kind of turn the corner with our organization because for a long time we were doing the activities. We were going into cities and doing things and we've realized like we need to, we need to be a a better organization at equipping people who are already doing awesome things. And yeah. so we're just trying to leverage our platform that we built um, and the eyes on us to, to continue to do good things that way. So we'll still probably act the fool on lives or, or do different uh, product pushes to help take them raise money and give that out back into the communities across the country um, with officers that are already doing awesome things that maybe people just don't know about. And we want to bring That's attention to that. That's an excellent idea. Reward the good behavior, you know? Yeah. And Absolutely. I want to, I, I want to bring up, you mentioned it, but <clears throat> I don't know if you know this, Keith, I don't know if you went on, on a uh, humanizing the badge, but they have these, we need you cards. And for anyone listening, uh, I don't know how much they cost and what the, the quantities are. It's like 50. five bucks for a packet of 50. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's like super reasonable. I, like I'm going to go, I'm going to go buy some and you know, you see a cop out there or you're, you know, you go to like our Walmart, there's always like a, an off duty officer that, you know, works at Walmart uh, moonlighting or whatever. And, you know, you, you just give them that car, you hand it to them and it just kind of like reinforces like, Hey, you know, and you're doing, you're doing valuable work here. And, and I you, you should have a free pass to go shoplift a few things. They won't be. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, it should get you like, should be a punch card, right. Uh, for like, you know, speeding. Get out of jail, yeah. Like, yeah. Well, Hey, I've given out 10 of these cards. I mean, it should count for something. <laughs> That's Listen, right. I had a great experience with a police officer very recently and I did not, I, I, I totally did not plan on telling this story. Um, I've done, I have a, a, a Mustang mic that I did a bunch of work to, and I was out enjoying it and I had passed somebody, uh, and I guess I was going a little too fast. And I also finished my pass after the dotted line and this yeah. cop spun around. <laughs> I, I didn't realize it, but the guy that was in the oncoming lane was a police officer and he turned around and he pulled me over <laughs> And he gave me the crap for about a minute and I took my sunglasses off. I took my face mask down and I was like, you're right. I should not have been driving that fast. And he kept me there for a solid 50 minutes, you know, went through the whole spiel. And then he came back and honestly, he gave me a break and he didn't, he didn't give me the the speeding ticket. He just gave me the finishing the pass outside of the, uh, the uh, dotted line. And it definitely could have been a lot worse. And I, uh, I, I think that if I, 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 if I had had that card and I could have given it to him, maybe I could have got out of that second ticket. <laughs> right? <laughs> You're not supposed to use it for your own personal gain, Keith. That's not the point of this. <laughs> I understand, but you know, it's hard not to. <laughs> I, I agree. So, so, so next time you get a ticket, you know, you just hand him that and say, Hey, here's here, one of these cards. Here's my license and, and here's one of these cards. Oh God, Keith, cup. what am I going to do with you? Yeah, you can try that. <laughs> I think some people have and, and succeeded. Yeah. Um, so there's, I want to finish up this, uh, this interview and this segment 
uh, with one thing that is definitely near and dear to mine and Keith's heart. So you recently did a video, uh, you are no longer an active police officer and you did a whole video explaining sort of the, you know, what happened and whatnot. Yeah. And people can go watch that. I'm not going to go into detail, but at the end of it, you mentioned that you are in the process of starting a podcast. Uh, and the theme of that is where cop meets culture. So yeah. obviously, obviously this is right in my wheelhouse, right in Keith's wheelhouse. So uh, what do you mean by where cop meets culture? And let's talk about this. Let's 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 do this. What are, what is what are we looking at? That's as far as I've gotten. You got seventy ideas. <laughs> we probably do have some ideas. Probably do. Well, you oh could probably gosh. do some. You could probably do some cop meets culture in food, right? Because you guys, are, like, we have a, a a neighbor of ours that's an NYPD cop, and he is absolutely amazing at finding you know cultural rich food. <laughs> Right. Yeah. yeah. I, man, I don't, I don't know. It's, uh, it's tough because I, I'm trying to kind of gauge what my, what my audience would appreciate. And I've had different ideas and, um, you know, there's, there's interviews as an option, you know, where I, I can talk to people in the course of being on social media. I've come across a lot of people that think like me or don't like, don't think like me that are notable people and, um, you know, have conversations sort of like offline, but maybe bringing some of those online, but, Sometimes I feel like uh, I'd come off as like a knockoff Joe Rogan and I'm not, I'm not going for that. And I'm like, you know, or do I go the other route where it's just me and I just riffing on topics? Do I do a variety show? Do I do uh, maybe a true crime podcast with, you know, somebody else as uh, I, I was doing a history podcast with a buddy of mine called Tales of Valor and we were, we were taking turns telling stories we started with medal of honor recipients and then we kind of branched out, but like, what would happen if we kind of took like the story of the Boston strangler and took turns telling parts of the story back and forth, you know, uh, in a season or something like that, but, but you're kind of like cutting up in the meantime, you know, like you have a little bit of sense of humor. So I've got all sorts of ideas and very little action behind the podcast so far. <laughs> I'll tell you, I'll tell you what, um, this, I like true crime is a huge, huge niche and uh you know there's so much out there with that it's very popular but like what would be really good would be looking up like i don't know if you how you'd find this out but finding like crimes that were committed but like botched up and like yeah. goofing on like the guy that botched it up like that would be i feel like kind of in For your sure. your yeah. wheelhouse right there's some there's some really kind of interesting things with like criminals out there there's a there is a true crime podcast called sword and scale and there was one where this guy he did you know b and e so he's always breaking it out home invasions you know and he went into one and he he stole the safe from this house well when he broke into the safe he realized that there was child pornography in it uh -huh. and so he he was faced with this dilemma does he turn himself in you know and deal with the consequences of that or does he overlook what is atrocious, right? So he right, ends up turning right. himself in, doing jail time, all to make sure that this uh, kitty porn guy got caught, and he did. So, like, he basically traded years of his life to do the right thing after after you know breaking into someone's house and all that stuff. So fascinating stuff like that that's out there. But I'm that's just like, cool. I'm like, man, that'd be cool. what a cool conversation for for me to have with somebody that went through that, kind of tell that story and all that stuff. So there's so many. So, many ideas. so, so Mike, I, you know, you have obviously a lot, you're out there a lot, but, and a lot of people know who you are, but I want to give you one chance to just kind of plug yourself, tell us where people can find you. Obviously YouTube's a big one, but give us, give us all your social media stuff. Uh, yeah. I mean, my, my website is Mike, the cop TV 
And then pretty much if you look up Mike the Cop, you should find me on pretty yeah. much any other social media platform. There is a, oh, there's a retired NYPD guy that goes by because my Facebook name is Real Mike the Cop uh, is my you know tag. And he goes by the real Mike the Cop. And he hates my guts um, because I call myself Mike the Cop. Go figure. Because my name's, you know, freaking Mike. Mike. And, I, and you're and you're a cop. And I'm a cop. And <laughs> I just, I just, I had no creative name to go by. I my father-in-law's name is Mike. And he was a cop too. And he was a retired NYPD. How dare he? How dare and he? And he probably, I, I want to know how old this, the real Mike the Cop is. Because if my father-in-law, Mike the Cop, was a cop and retired before him, then he has to give up his name. Yeah, you would think so. So yeah, he's uh, he's not my biggest fan. <laughs> it happens. I have I have plenty of haters that are cops too. <laughs> yeah. So Mike, we play a game on this show called Run and Gun, and I you kind of alluded that you're not a super gun nerd, but we want to play it anyway, and uh, sure. we're hoping you. Do it. So it's it's basically it's it's exactly what it says. Run and Gun. I'm going to give you ten rapid fire questions, and you're going to answer with as quick an answer as you can. I'm on it. I'm ready. All right. Here we go. Number one, what is your favorite gun in your personal collection? Uh, my Glock 17 Gen 3, and it was uh, rigged up by Agency Arms. So I got it, you know, changed out the slide and the grip and the trigger and, you they know, make sweet, of course, they make sweet what stuff. You want to do. But uh, I, I have used, I've used that more than anything else. It is the most overall practical gun in my arsenal that I've used on duty, off duty. Um, yeah, I just, I, I love that gun. Love it, love it, love it. Yeah, Agency Arms makes sweet stuff. Number two. What gun would you buy if money was no object? Oh, shoot. I'd probably, if I could get a turret with it, I'd get some, some kind of uh, money, mounted, no some type of turret gun. I don't know if money's no object. That's what I'd be getting. I don't know what calibers are my options at that size. What, you know, we have somebody say a tank? Uh, yeah. Someone said, no, a helicopter mounted oh, a helicopter, something, yeah, right? Yeah, it was yeah, crazy. Yeah. If you, could ha- cool. if you could have a drink with one person, living or dead, who would it be? Oh man, I would love to have a drink. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and go with. Can I say one of each? Sure, sure. Uh, dead, I would probably want to have a drink with uh, Teddy Roosevelt. Is one one person I would love to have a drink. Great with choice. Is is a dead guy, and then a living guy. I would I would probably want to sit down with Jordan Peterson. Okay. Okay. I like both of those. As long as Teddy comes back, like he's dead, but he's not like all like corpsed up, that would be kind of creepy. <laughs> no, I just envision him being like Robin Williams in uh, <laughs> <All> the- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, number four, uh, favorite caliber, uh, nine, mine too. Favorite hobby, not gun related, jujitsu, Brazilian jujitsu. Ma- well, mine too. Wow, if you could have one superpower, what would it be? Uh, uh, transport like i don't know i say teleportation so like i decide that i want to you know go to spain for the evening i just close your eyes oh, and blink yeah like te- yeah teleportation i don't know is that the right word i don't know something like that yeah that would be- all hell breaks loose is it better to be armed or trained Ooh, um trained is it better to be loved or feared Ooh, that's another good one uh loved rifle pistol or shotgun Ooh, uh, rifle. You're in the worst scenario imaginable. Who do you want to have your back other than your spouse? Oh, dang. Better there's, be a there. laundry, there's a shoot, man. There's a laundry list of dudes in my life that got to pick one. Um, doggone it, man. 
Uh, Nate, he'll, he'll know if he ever listens to this. He probably won't. He just doesn't listen to podcasts. <laughs> well, you well, can tell. Gonna, now you're going to have to make him listen. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. Let's mix it up. All right. So today on Let's Mix It Up, we are going to talk about the proper way to handle being pulled over by the police while carrying a concealed weapon. And Mike, you did a phenomenal video on this. And I'm gonna I'm gonna put that link in the show notes or anybody that wants to watch it. It's it's very well done. But I do want to have a serious conversation about this. So, yeah. Mike, give us Keith's got some. We're I'm gonna have Keith uh, kind of chime in at one point. But let's uh, let's hear kind of the short list of how you think people should handle this. Uh, well, the short list is one: just make sure that you're educated on your state laws. You know, you, you need to know, you need to know the boundaries of the playing field, I guess. And, and I'm a huge believer that all gun laws should be tossed out. <laughs> so, um, I, I, in that context though, this is the game that we're playing. So just make sure that you know what the, the law is in your state. You know, for example, in Michigan, it's a mandatory, um, it's a, it's a mandatory reporting. You have to tell an officer if you, if you are carrying concealed and there is a lawful contact, um, in the course of their duties with you, you have to tell them that does not mean that, for example, if you're in Seven Eleven and they walk in getting a Slurpee that you have to walk over and tell them because they're in your vicinity. That's not what that means. It means if, if they're contacting you for a law enforcement purpose, like you have been stopped on a traffic stop or you have been stopped on on the street or in a you know wherever for for the purpose of of them engaging in their lawful duties then you would have to tell them in Michigan that you are armed you do not have to tell them if you are not carrying so uh, different states have different laws on that so that's that's thing number 1 is that number 2 is to realize that you just chill out man like relax you know are are there are there idiot cops who will tense up and be nervous about guns? Cause yeah, there's, there's cops who become cops that aren't gun people. They don't, you know, they, they have an unhealthy fear of guns and they they're carrying one. Does that exist? Yeah, it exists. So just, you stay calm, just chill out. You know, I wouldn't reach for it really fast or anything like that. Just be, you know, be honest about it. Um, and just be calm. And then three is just follow the directions as best as you can. You know, if, if they say, hey, well, would you do me a favor and stand over here? Or would you do me a favor and sit down for me right here um, in the course of me doing this just so that I, I feel comfortable as I handle the situation? As much as as much as you can be kind and respectful um, in that process, even if you disagree with it, take that up in a different way afterwards. I'm not asking you to sacrifice your rights. We're just saying like, hey, be, be as wise as you can be and as kind and as calm as you can be through that process. And if you feel like your rights were violated, if you feel like the cop went too far, you can always handle it, always handle it better after the, after the fact with proper representation or proper approach, um, than escalating a situation in the moment. Never let the escalation be your fault, you know? So Keith, do you want to add to this a little bit? Well, yeah. I mean, uh, as I kind of indicated, I, I, I drive fast sometimes, so I've, I've been pulled over a couple of times. <laughs> you're while not I'm, first, you're last, man. <laughs> no, exactly. Um, I've been pulled over a couple of times while carrying and, um, New York does not have a, a requirement to disclose that you are carrying when you are. And I just, 
have always had the opinion that if you are in a state that, like Mike is saying, where you don't have to, um, it's probably if you know you got pulled over for speeding, okay, and 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 you're not drunk and you're not doing anything else stupid, um, just take your speeding ticket and move on and don't say anything. Yeah, um, you know you're not going to pull out. You know you're if you're a good person, you're not going to pull out your gun and do something. Then just move on. Just let it go. Yep. Um, and that's no, that's normally how I have had um, my interactions while carrying with police officers. Um, I, I know that I am not. Um, I'm not. I, I, I'm not. I know not everyone feels the same way I do. There are. I know people that are concealed carry holders that feel that they have to tell police when when they are carrying, no matter what, and and they just are going to do it in any situation, no matter how minor the traffic stop is or the uh, lawful intent, as as you put it, uh, is. So um, I don't know. That that's just my opinion. Is uh, so, Mike. Do you? As a cop, I mean, like, obviously, if you're concealed carry, there's a good chance the cop would never know anyway. But do you feel that if you are carrying that it's just it is a best practice to inform the officer? Just I wouldn't if I was in a not if I was in a state where I didn't have to, I I wouldn't disclose it unless I felt like it was necessary. Like, for some reason, I I wouldn't because it's it's, I'm carrying concealed for a reason. I'm not I'm not not there to tell everybody. Yeah. And it's not doing any harm. It's a tool. It's not, it's not being used. That tool is not being used. It's like, so I will, I guess I'll finish this segment up, but I, I have, uh, I have an, a mixed opinion on this. So, you know, it's living in the same state as you, Keith. So no, uh, requirement to inform for the longest time. I was like, it's concealed. They're never going to know it's there. Right. If they, if they asked me to step out of the car or something, I probably would because now that, that would be, that would probably be my line as well. Yeah. So I, for the longest time was like, nah, it's not going to affect them one way or the other. I'm not going to, I'm not going to just not going to bring it up. And recently, I don't know how, when, or, or what changed my mind, but I made the conscious decision to, if they pull me over, I'm just going to hand them my driver's license with my concealed carry and say, just want to let you know, I, you know, I am carrying it's on my right hip. You know, I'll follow all, all lawful orders, you know? And I found most cops really appreciate it. Like none of them ever gave me a problem. And in fact, many times uh, they said, thank you for uh, exercising your second amendment and have a nice day. And like, I feel like I got out of more, more issues by saying it. And I don't know why I changed gears on it. And I'm not saying I wouldn't change back to the other, but for some reason I just started to be like, you know what? It, it doesn't, bother me to tell them at this point so it just i don't really have an opinion it it just feels like my and again mike you could probably tell me better because you've been in the situation where i'm sure somebody has been caring and told you about it and they've been legally caring it just seems like it creates more work for you (laughs) yeah (laughs) see now i i I, i'm gonna be the outlier on a, a lot of cops um because i just don't care (laughs) when it it comes to guns the more the merrier and i i just don't care unless you are using it on me or you have used it in the commission of a crime you having a gun is completely irrelevant to my life so i don't people people would say hey i you know officer i have my cpl just want to let you know i appreciate it you know cool uh i don't even say there's there's these cliche lines like well, as long as you don't pull yours I won't pull mine you know whatever <laughs> like that. I don't say I didn't I didn't even say that stuff I, Keep I just your hands like, where I can see them 
Yeah. Okay, cool. Thanks. Appreciate it. You know, just, I just being a, a, a nice guy, you know, back like, you know, tell him I, I yeah, I appreciate it. Great. Thanks. Um, and I'm glad, I'm glad we're not going to be in a shootout today. It's a fantastic, you know, it's, uh, it's awesome. But, uh, I also wouldn't care if someone's, if, if someone said, and I, and I'm fine saying this any, any time in my career, if someone was to say, Hey, uh, just to let you know, I don't have my CPL, but I am carrying a, a, a firearm on me right now. I'd be like, all right, cool. Just don't pull it out. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I just don't care because I believe in a fundamental human right to, to have that. So that that's my personal thing. I never in my career ever arrested someone or charged someone for a firearm in their possession unless said firearm was used in the commission of a crime. That's it. That's done. You can't rob liquor stores. I'm sorry. Don't do that with a gun <laughs> or without. So, you know, if you rob the liquor store, I'm going to charge you with the gun too, because you're an idiot. But as far as the you know normal stuff, just enforcing gun laws in that capacity was never my thing. And I'm glad that it never came, it never became an issue for me. And I never had to like really, you know, face, a face deciding my principles or my job. I just, ne it never came across. And believe it or not, most cops are like that. <laughs> they, yeah, they support I, I, gun rights and I would agree with that. Whatever. I think on that note, it's basically know, know the laws in your area, follow the laws and be a responsible gun owner. And we'll kind of leave it at that. Well, I think it's time for the boys to sit around and shoot the shit. All right. So today on shooting the shit, we are going to play a game called Master of Disguise. So there, everyone's heard of the movie Mission Impossible, but Mission Impossible was originally a show in the 1960s. And I was thinking about some something about this came up and uh, my dad used to watch when I was like a real little kid. Uh, I'm, I was born in 76, so I probably saw reruns and stuff like, you know, in the late seventies, early eighties. And I remember my dad saying that there was, you know, they each had a role and the one guy's role was, he was sort of like the man of a million faces, the master of disguise. And it got me thinking like, man, like, you know, so Mike, you're gonna have to suspend your law enforcement career for a, a brief minute here. <laughs> uh, it got me thinking like, you know, kind of espionage stuff and, and spy stuff and, I said, all right, well, we're doing a podcast and Mike is trying to figure out his podcast. And I said, what would we do if we had to hatch some grand scheme to break into the Joe Rogan studio and get past his security team? And <laughs> what what alias would you choose and, and how would you get past Joe Rogan's top security team? So I'm going to go first on this one. And uh I'm saying to myself, what would I do that would guarantee I could get in? And I decided that I would go and pose as an exterminator and I would get myself the biggest snake I could find in a cage and I would walk up to their security and say, uh, yeah, I'm here. I'm the exterminator. They called. Someone called saying they saw like five of these things climbing into your building and, and I got called to come here and get them. There is no way any security guy in the world is not going to let me in to go get those things. That's that's my I, I think exterminator with a giant snake would get me into the building. So I, I don't know. That's that was my initial thought. But uh, Mike, what about you? You got anything? I would probably just go. So like I told you guys earlier uh, in the show that before becoming a cop, I was just like a business guy. Right. So like one of the one of the things that I did for a number of years was I owned and operated a window washing company. So for me, I would just be the window cleaner, right? Like I, I have 
a business card made up and have the tools. I would be knowledgeable about <laughs> questions that would come for, from that industry and be able to just say like, Hey, I'm, I'm there to clean the windows. And, you know, I, maybe, maybe I'd pull in one of those things where it's like, you know, Joe told me to come down here himself. You hand him the phone. Like you want to call and wake him up. Fine. Call him, <laughs> you know, <laughs> see if I uh, just be, be confident and, and boisterous and, and go clean those windows. You know? Confidence is definitely key. There's no doubt about it. my, I was telling my wife about this bit and she goes, she goes, you're going too far with this snake thing. She's like, just get a polo shirt and like a little plastic lanyard around your neck and a clipboard and just say you're just you're there in official business. She's like, anybody with a lanyard and a polo shirt gets in anywhere they want. And I'm like, God damn it, she's right. <laughs> That's exactly what we try to do in, in my job to trick people into letting people where they shouldn't go. We hire a guy in a polo shirt and a lanyard and say, go see if you can get in. <laughs> Right. It doesn't work, Mike. No, it doesn't work. Uh, I'm going to tell her I was right and she was wrong. The snake would work better. All right, Keith, you're up. What do you got? Uh, listen, I, I, I'm a Joe Rogan fan. I, I listen to a lot of his podcasts. So uh, I think he would be interested or I would be able to get past the gatekeeper if I showed up as a as a marijuana salesman and just said, listen, <laughs> I got some free samples. I got to show Joe this stuff. <laughs> Yeah, you that probably would work. That probably would work just, really well. Just come up with a nice business card and say, like, listen, we're 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 new and up and coming, and and I got these samples for Joe. And yeah, I think you know what, ding ding ding. I think we got ourselves a winner. I think that might actually do it. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Especially if you had samples. If you had samples, there'd be no problems. Easy peasy. Yeah, definitely. I'm still bringing my snake. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Well, Mike, I uh, as, as ridiculous as that last segment was, I, I definitely thought uh, it would be a fun one to do. So I'm glad you, you played along with our stupidity. But uh, I want to thank you for coming on the show. Uh, Keith said it before. I mean, we're, fa- we're actual fans. You know, we, we think what you're doing is great. And, you know, we're like dabbling with a celebrity tonight. So we were very, very honored. And uh, I don't know about all that, man. It's, <laughs> it's honestly, just a, just a very, very big idiot that happened to make some videos. That's it. Well, you make great videos and, you know, and nowadays, you know, YouTube is the new, that is the new thing, you know? So like back when celebrities were what they are, but now YouTube celebrities and YouTube personalities are huge. So we're honored to have you on the show and thanks for sharing your experiences and playing these stupid games with us. And, you know, you fit right in, that's for sure. But, uh, you know, you can find them at, what is it? Mike, the cop TV TV. Yep. Find them at Mike, the TV. And to everybody listening, we want to thank you again for taking time out of your day to tune into our show. You can find links in the show notes to all of our social media. So be sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter so we can keep the conversation going. Peace.